If it sometimes seems Michigan has been stuck on road funding forever, it's not your imagination. We've been stuck on road funding forever. It's one of those issues everyone agrees is important and should be addressed, but cannot agree how to do so. Check your local media sources for how the battle is going in Lansing at any given moment. Today we want to look at this issue from a different angle and concentrate not on our state's interstates and trunk lines, but on the roads we travel most in our daily lives, the ones our driveways deliver us onto, the ones we take to get to school or shopping, the roads it is the local government's responsibility to maintain. And like all governments in recent years, they've had a hard time doing so. We'd like to suggest some key policy changes that would make that much easier. This is Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. I'm Nancy Derringer, Communications Director for the Research Council, and in this podcast, we look at Michigan through a policy lens. Our discussions here are informed by our 103 years of experience doing nonpartisan, fact-based research on policy issues. We hope this podcast will serve as another way for the public to access our work, which is, as always, free and available to all at our website, crcmich.org. I'm joined today by Research Council President Eric Lufer. Let's start by outlining for the listeners who are not as familiar with state finances as you are, how we handle much of the local road funding in Michigan. Right, so there's two basic pots of money for dealing with the local roads, and when we mean when I say local roads, I'm referring to the roads that are under county control and the roads that are under city and village control, which make up almost ninety percent of the road system. So the state roads are the interstates and the major roads. I'm in Southeast Michigan, so we have Telegraph and Woodward and things like that. And freeways, and, but it's the freeways yeah. pretty much that the state takes care of. And everything else is either a county road or a city road. And the counties and the cities get their money for that, both from state funding. Uh, The state collects the gas tax and the vehicle registration fees and distributes that to all the local governments through something called Act 51 of 1951. But that's not enough money. So and it shouldn't be. The the local government should have some responsibility to come up with their own funding. And to do that, they have to levy property taxes, either the property taxes that are part of their city or village, um, the townships play a role in funding, either part of their general fund millage to um, just to operate, and they dedicate part of it to the roads, or they have dedicated millages. Um, and we took a look at that with our new report saying, our property tax is too heavily relied on, and we need to think about doing something different. Okay. Before we get into the property tax, though, um, let's talk a little bit about um, what we call revenue sharing in Michigan, because this is a big part of this, too. Correct? Right. So revenue sharing, we have a program called state revenue sharing, and that is very specific um, money collected at the state road given to cities, villages, and townships, and county governments just for just for operations. But in the broader sense, revenue sharing are all programs that the state runs where money is collected at the state level and sent to local governments 
through the school aid formula, through court funding, through the highway funding. Uh, there's many programs that do, that operate in this way, and the idea is to one to um, use the economies of the, the state being able to levy these taxes easier than local governments, and and so the state would do that, and and therefore the local governments don't have to, but also to even uh, even out service level among the local governments to make sure every local government is able to provide some services at a minimal level. Right. So the state will provide that funding. So from Iron Mountain to Monroe, you can count on revenue sharing to be funding, um, like you said, certain services that we simply depend on. Right. For schools, it's to provide a minimum education for local governments to provide basic roads to drive on or to provide police and fire services the basic let's keep us safe and let's help the economy right okay and um but this in this paper i noticed that um we came up with a a core pillar of good government which i never really heard stated explicitly before but it was interesting to see it there because it, it really is something that we all depend on or that we all would believe in which is that the misery of paying taxes should be as closely linked to the pleasure of enjoying the services they buy as possible. Meaning that if you're going to pay taxes into this, you know, if you're just going to throw it into some black hole and not really see the result of it, um, that's much worse than than if you pay taxes for a specific road that you drive on every day. Right. And, and you know, so it works both ways. From the taxpayer point of view, there's greater investment that you know exactly how your taxes are going to be used um, but also for the local government, and and there's nothing unique to local government about this. You think about your own family. When your son or daughter has a job, they spend that money that they're earning a little more judiciously than when you just give them allowance and now it's free money that they can go spend. The same thing is true with government generally, whether it's the federal money being sent to the state or state money being sent to the local governments. When they have to levy the tax and go to, back to the taxpayers asking for permission, they're going to use that money as judiciously, as economically as possible. But when the state, the federal government, the state government is sending them money, well, sometimes they can be a little um, less than frugal. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, now, as, as I think most people who are aware of uh, state government finance know as the budget has been squeezed over the last you know however many years um, Lansing has cut back on some revenue sharing which leaves local governments that need money um, they have to pursue other options and this is where we get back to what you mentioned earlier um, they can issue bonds or they can assess taxes to pay for things like parks and courts and and road funding that sort of thing um, but these are almost all done via the property tax which leads to the burden being placed disproportionately on property owners. And of course, nobody likes to pay property taxes, you know. Right. So so there's the general problem that the property tax is among the least popular of all the taxes. Right, of course. It's paid in one or two lump sums and... Um, it adds it's, it's, to your mortgage payment if you have a mortgage, right? right so. As opposed to the income tax where a little bit comes out every paycheck or the sales tax where you pay 6% in Michigan on top of your purchase. So you're paying a little bit of time to pay two lump sums is, is not very nice. So we put a report out 
um, a few months ago looking at local option taxes generally, and it really confirmed for us what we thought we knew going into it, that Michigan really is an outlier that we put so much pressure on the property tax to fund our local governments. And so we have a few exceptions to this, but pretty much if you're a city, a village, a township, a county government, a special authority, a school district, a community college district, an intermediate school district, no matter what it is at the local level in Michigan, if you need money, the only opportunity or the pretty much the only opportunity to raise it is through a property tax. Well, that's fine to a certain extent, but once you start stacking these one on top of the other, now we find that Michigan has among the highest property tax rates in the nation. Now, we don't have the biggest burden because our property general is not worth is, as is much. Not right. worth as much. So to live in New York or to live in Los Angeles, property is worth more, levy a lower rate, but you're still going to pay higher taxes. But as a percent of the value of the property, as a percent of our household income, we're paying higher property taxes. Mm-hmm. And it's because every government in Michigan, in order to raise money, is turning to the property taxes to come up with that money. So, you know, we, we sort of have a twofold problem. Our roads stink, and the only opportunity to fix it at the local level is to raise property taxes. Right, <laughs> which nobody wants to do. Right. And, and it leads to disgruntlement and these kind of, you know, these, these almost revolt movements like we saw in California in the, in the 1970s, which they're, you know, Proposition 13, I think it was and, called. And in Michigan, the Headley Amendment. Yeah, the Headley Amendment, exactly. Okay, so this is all about local options and expanding local options. What are some of these local options that a um, local unit of government, a city, a township, a village, a county, can pursue to raise money outside of the property tax? And try to use some concrete examples, even if we have to get hypothetical. Well, I mean, so right now the only opportunities really, um, cities in Michigan have a local option income tax. There's 24 cities that do it. It's most of the big cities and a, and a few others, um, but it's a short list. So for our paper, we are really interested in if you are going to provide local governments the tools to fund roads, whatever they come up with in Lansing to fund the system generally won't be enough to really fix the local roads, which are in much worse shape than the state roads generally. Um, how do you come up with that? And so that's an expensive proposition and things like a local option cigarette tax or movie tax, things like that, is not going to raise a lot of money. So the the four taxes we came up with are local option gas tax, local option vehicle registration fees, l- expanding the local option income tax, or local option sales taxes. Um and, and you find these fairly commonly in the other states, especially our neighboring states. They use each of those four taxes to some extent. Right. We're, I mean, we pay the same sales tax all over the state. Right. We only have the state sales tax. And so no matter where you are, it's a 6% t- tax. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was over in Chicago. If you're in the city proper, you're paying one if you're just outside the city, but in Cook County, you're paying a different, you get outside of Cook County, and then it's a, a different rate. Uh, and this is the often the case in many other states where they have varying rates depending on where you are. 
uh, right. throughout the state. So um, to look at that, uh, the gas tax and the vehicle registration fee, of course, have the connection to the roads. And we would advocate that this be done either at the county level or at somewhat a regional level. So you look at all of Southeast Michigan, you look at all of the Grand Rapids area, um, you look at the whole UP, it's not township by township or city by city, even county by county gets dicey, but if it's done on a, a larger level, then it's hard to avoid the tax. Um, there's no change in economic behavior. You don't right. stop on one side of the road because the tax applies you know, <laughs> on that side, but not on this side type of thing. Um, well, take a take an example, just a, as a hypothetical. Um, you know, we're speaking the the day after the Labor Day weekend has concluded, um, and as always in the summertime, seemingly half the population of Southeast Michigan decamps for that that vague region that we know of as up north. Okay, right. and look at a city like um, Traverse City, which is. You know, tra- New York City traffic jams at times during the summertime, but it's really not, you know, it's a, it's a thriving little community, but it's not a very large one. Right. Um, but it accepts a great deal of tourism. And a lot of these people, of course, are boating. They're not only driving, they're also boating. Um, they're buying gasoline. They're buying motor fuels. They're driving on the road, sometimes in fairly heavy vehicles. They're putting wear and tear on the infrastructure, but there's no way to kind of stick an extra uh, hand in their pocket and just get a few more dollars out to help support the specific infrastructure that they're taxing. Right. So that that's a great example. Often when I talk about this, it's viewed as, well, that's going to help Southeast Michigan or that's going to help the Grand Rapids area where there's a lot of traffic. But think about Grand Rapids or think about going up to Traverse City. Uh, you have to fuel up to go up there, but you have to fuel up to come back. So for every tourist coming up to Traverse City, there's going to be, as you say, travel around the area. They don't come there to, to sit in one place. They want to see the different amenities and go out on the lake and do types of thing, things that require travel. And then when it's time to come home, they got to fuel up to come back. So um, there's going to be a great deal of fuel consumption in Traverse City along the lakefront um, you know, the west coast of the state, uh, people going up to the Upper Peninsula type of thing. And that's going to tax not only you know the, the southeast Michigan or the Grand Rapids, people going up north, but people coming around the lake from Chicago, people coming from Ohio or Indiana or, or things like yes, that. Yes, because it's a draw outside of Michigan. To enjoy pure Michigan, sure. right. So um, the gas tax has that benefit that you're going to be able to tax the drivers based on you know wherever they are and their need to get fuel the vehicle registration fees pretty much taxes the people where they are right so we have a lot of traffic in southeast michigan there's a lot of traffic a lot of cars registered in the grand rapids area so there's some relationship to you know sort of the nexus where they live where the business is and and the vehicle registered now you're going to pay for those roads. So that would be less friendly to up north and, and that type but a, of thing. a local sales tax or, I mean, and we haven't discussed this, but maybe a food and beverage tax or even a hotel and resort lodging right. thing. I mean, that's that's always the, 
thing you pay when you visit someplace like New York City or Chicago yes. if you're going to stay in a hotel. But you know, if you have that, if you have just a few more ways to kind of get people to throw some change into the jar, you might actually come up with some money. Right, and and we think it's important that you have a broad range of. We don't need to shift from all of our pressure on the property tax to all of our pressure on the sales tax or income, whatever. Um, but to have a number of options, have uh, a menu of taxes that people are going to pay in a little bit at a time, and some of those are going to be very specific to a community, and some of them might, as you say, you know, tax the the visitors to those areas sure. and have them contribute with the economic activity they're bringing to the place. Right, exactly. So would this necessarily lead to property tax relief in communities that took another option, or would it simply slow the um, increase in the burden, which we've seen on property taxes? So the devil's in the details, as as always. Um, Right now we know that there are 731 millages levied uh, levied by our mostly our townships, but also our cities and villages. Um, Almost 700 communities have that, so some have more than one millage. And um, these governments, I think, generally are looking to lessen their property tax burden. So uh, I can't anticipate that there would be some property tax relief. A law could be written so that um, there sort of is a quid pro quo, you get this new tax, the revenue from the new tax, but you have to stop levying a property tax. Um, There could be that type of thing, but um, you'd have to wait and see how this was done type of thing. But it goes back to a bigger point that we need to make, that just coming up with this idea, uh, a city, a township couldn't just choose to do it in Michigan, all local taxes have to be authorized by the state government. That was my next question. Uh, and, <laughs> How does this actually yeah. work? So the state has to pass a law saying this is an option, um, and then the local government has to uh, pass an ordinance saying that they want to do it and submit it to the voters for a vote. So under the Headley Amendment, whether it's a property tax, a sales tax, an income tax, or any other tax, Government can't impose that tax unless the people vote on it and and say that they're willing to tax themselves. Um, so there's that sort of multi-step approach to how this would play out, and it gets even more complicated when we think about a local option sales tax. Because, because our, then we get into the Constitution. Yeah, our, our Constitution, starting in the 1940s, dictated the rate of taxation and dictates where the money will go. So right now the state is using all six cents that's available to it. That means that there's nothing available to local government. But even if the state were to scale back and say, well, they're only going to use four cents and that frees up two cents for local government, the Constitution still says that the money has to go first to schools and then to revenue sharing generally. So a city would only get about 15 cents on the dollar Right. Without amending the Constitution to fix that type okay. of thing. So that's a, um, I mean, these are interesting ideas that we've been discussing, but they all would require quite a bit of heavy lifting in Lansing to, to accomplish. They, they would require, yes. Yeah. So uh, we're introducing this paper now with the idea that there, 
thinking about road funding, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, they're they're always to, thinking about road funding. <laughs> well, some of them would rather not think about yeah. taxation. Um, but they recognize that our roads, uh, you know, is sort of hitting the, the point that you've got to do something soon. Um, come up with a state plan, but come up with some local options so we can hopefully provide some property tax relief, but think about these bigger issues of broadening our tax means of taxation and... Um, Giving us some more tools. More yeah. tools. How do we fix the roads? Okay. All right. How do we fix the damn roads? Thank you, Eric. That was a great discussion, and it was a, a good overview of um, the problems that we face in trying to um, do something that sounds very simple that we said in what four words fix the damn roads and uh, it turns out that the solution is, is quite a bit more complicated but thanks all right and that will do it for this edition of facts matter the citizens research council of michigan podcast remember the council operates as a public resource and all of our papers along with blogs op-eds and other resources are available for download on our website crcmich.org. We operate as a nonprofit, thanks to the generosity of Michigan's corporations, foundations, and individuals like you. If you'd like to make a donation, go to our website, crcmich.org, and click on the contribution button on the homepage. We also welcome feedback, which you can send via email to crcmich at crcmich.org. I'm Nancy Derringer, and until next time, I leave you with this observation by our founding president, Lent Upson. The right to criticize government is also an obligation to know what you're talking about.